everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It is episode 85 as we kick off a new week here in the beautiful city of Houston. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. In my world, well, it's time to update you on a couple of things. But before we do that, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, What are you waiting for? That's my line that I always say. I will be adding some video content shortly, but the start of the new year has been a little interesting for me and my side of things. If you tuned into the last podcast episode, you kind of got a little bit of a taste of what we've been dealing with as a family with COVID. Well, after two years of trying to avoid this thing, COVID finally caught me. I have tested positive for the uh, Omicron variant, I believe, COVID-19, and I am in quarantine, currently in quarantine. But this story is a little complicated. I talked about it before, but I will go ahead and rehash it this time, as well as add a, uh, uh, a little story about a doctor's visit I had last week, which prompted a very interesting response on social media. If you follow me on Facebook, You probably saw the back-and-forth conversation I've had with people about this. It was uh, very, very interesting, to say the least. So after the opening monologue here, I'm going to get into Texans. We're going to talk about MVP voting in the National Football League. That story was huge last week. I couldn't record it because all of this stuff popped up on me, and uh, I just wasn't up to it. So we'll talk about that. And uh, we're going to touch on Bob Saget a little bit. I know he passed away unexpectedly, suddenly, over the weekend. And uh, I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the celebrity deaths that you remember most. I feel like we all have one or two, and I'll share my story about the one that always uh, has impacted me. But anyway, we start off this episode, as I said, talking to you about my COVID struggles. And struggles is a strong word. Uh, there are a lot more people that have gone through this virus and have you know, have have really struggled with it and have really had a hard time with it, been hospitalized and all that. For those folks, my my heart goes out to them, of course. But my story goes like this. So Christmas weekend, I I started feeling a little little iffy, right? And um, earlier in the week, my son had a fever. He had a runny nose. And, uh, you know, when when that has happened over the last couple of years, my wife and I have immediately taken him to get tested. And so we did the same thing this time, although before Christmas, we did it two days before Christmas, right? So he wasn't feeling very good. And we were driving around all of Katy looking for a test spot. Well, everything was booked solid before the holidays. We had to wait three and a half hours to get him tested. One of the rapid tests at a local emergency room. We had to put his name down, actually. And then come back, bring him to get the test. We, we couldn't wait there. It was three and a half hours. You had to get some other stuff done. There was no way I was going to sit in an emergency room waiting area with a four and a half, almost five-year-old uh, to uh, sit there for three and a half hours. Look, I've seen my fair share of Disney movies, and I love them, and YouTube videos as well, but I wasn't going to do that. So anyway, three and a half hours, we, uh, we came back, got him tested, and it came back negative. And so... Uh, All of a sudden, we're like, okay, well, this is good. It's just a little bit of a cold. It's fine. So a couple of days pass. I start feeling a little weird. Um, And the feeling that I had is, that you know, that one type of feeling you you have when you start getting sick? 
Like, the body's a little achy, but you have that little, like, tick in your throat, and it's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? So you start taking some, you know, a little bit of DayQuil to kind of cut it off at the pass, if you will. Well, anyway, I took some DayQuil, and all of a sudden, a couple hours after taking that medicine, I got paralyzing chills. Just paralyzing chills. I, I mean, my wife was a little worried. I was losing a little color in my face. It was crazy. Paralyzing chills. Every so often, I would just have to stop, and I'd start shaking because I was so cold. And um, it wasn't because of the temperature. It was because my body, I feel like, was shutting down a little bit. And I thought it was because that week we had a lot going on, getting ready for the holidays, you know, all the stuff and the pressures and the stress of it all. I thought that that was it. I thought my body was just telling me, hey, you know what, let's shut this thing down and uh, let's have some rest. Well, come to find out that we take a a test, we take an at-home test this time around, and I'm going to touch on my feelings about all this at-home testing and all that, and I'll get to that in a second. But so to continue the story, I had the paralyzing chills. My wife was also not feeling very good. She had some chills as well. We both took an at-home test. Now, those things are very hard to find right now. It's like it's like a hot commodity. Uh, so we, we were able to get one, I think, from her uncle. He had one. Anyway, so we took an at-home test, and it came back negative. But I always had this sneaking suspicion that it was more than just a cold because it was the exact same reaction to the vaccine. The second shot that I took of the vaccine was terrible. I hated it. I was out for pretty much 48 hours. It was miserable. My body hurt everywhere. I, I've, I've told myself I'm not going to do a booster. I'm not going to go through that again. I'm just not feeling it. So this feeling that I had with this particular virus or whatever I was feeling at the time, I just thought it was something more. I, I really thought at the time that I had COVID, but it was a negative test. And so, okay, it was, it was a little bit of a cold. So the next day I wake up, I feel a lot better. I took a lot of Mucinex that night and I took some Advil and really broke the fever. I got really hot overnight. That was another part of the, uh, the symptoms that I was having. And then I was just really stuffed up, congested. And this was like about four or five days before the new year, right? This is about the middle of that week. So, um, so I had a negative test. And so then we kind of go about doing our business. You know, if it's a little bit of a cold, you know, sometimes we need help with child care. He had gone back to school because he was feeling better. And then my parents were looking out for him and the whole thing. Well, anyway, come to find out a couple of days after that, New Year's Eve, I get a call from my parents. says my dad's having the same symptoms that I was having. And he tested positive. And at that point, I kind of knew. I was like, oh, well, crap. I must have had the same thing, too. So he tests positive. He's feeling fine, by the way. It's great. It was, you know, 24 hours. He was kind of under the weather. He was laying down, resting, but now he's feeling a lot better, too. And um, so then the recommendation at the time for my dad was for everybody who had come in contact with him during that stretch where he got sick, where he was feeling the symptoms, was to go get tested. So they told me to go get a PCR test. And my mom did the same thing. Turns out my mom then has it. So she's feeling a lot better, too. So she picked up COVID. My dad had COVID. And so then I went to go get tested because in the back of my mind, I kept telling my wife, and she gives me a hard time because I've repeated this multiple times. I've told her that I'm pretty sure I had it. I think I had it. And I think I picked it up from my son, who I think was also positive but got a false negative with the rapid test, which is basically the same thing that we took here at home, the rapid test. Okay, 
So I go and get the PCR test. Now, this is where that funny story with the doctor's office comes in. I posted this on Facebook. So bottom line is I've been going to this practice in Katy for a long time. I'm not going to give the name. There's no point in doing that. But it's really gone downhill for the last, I don't know, 10 years. It's really declined. Uh, I've seen people there over the years. They've been really great. But some of the doctors and some of the nurse practitioners, they've decided to move on to other practices. This practice was sold by the main doctor. Anyway, it's it's become it's become a place that I do not want to be associated with anymore. And last week was kind of the nail in the proverbial coffin, if you will. So I go over there and uh, I tell them I need a PCR test. I called the day before. I said I need a PCR test and I wanted to get an antibody test done because I had this feeling that I had COVID. And that was more than about a week after my initial symptoms showed up. So the PCR test might be negative, although those are kind of iffy too, but they're a little bit more accurate than the rapid test. But I thought, okay, if that comes back negative, I want an antibody test to see if my antibody levels are elevated. And in which case, then that kind of concerns the fact that I had COVID too, therefore having natural immunity, which now means I had the vaccine and natural immunity. It's kind of the best of both worlds, I feel like. Because by that time I had recovered, and, and right now I feel fine. But anyway, so I go into the doctor's office. I sit there. They call me in. They ask me a bunch of questions. I really got the feeling this nurse practitioner wasn't really paying attention to what I was saying. Well, fine. I basically told them, look, I need the PCR and antibody tests. Turns out they don't do those tests anymore as far as the antibody goes. They're in the office. They used to, but they don't do that anymore because of staffing issues. So I had to go get that somewhere else. They gave me the wrong paperwork for that test, okay? And then I told them I need a PCR test, but I needed to see the doctor, apparently. So that's the rule. If you want to have these tests done, the doctor has to come see you. So I'm sitting there. My appointment was at 1245. I'm sitting there. 40 minutes go by. I need to go pick up my son at his school. He goes to school about half the day, uh, or a little preschool. And so I need to pick up my son, but I'm waiting there for 40 minutes. Nobody has come by to see me. So I, I, I decide I need to walk outside, see what's going on. So I walk outside, totally empty. No one to be found. So I'm walking down the hallways of this doctor's office, and I, I just happen to peek into one of the offices, and the doctor is sitting at his desk eating a freaking sandwich. He's eating a sandwich while knowing he has patience they're waiting to see him. Okay, at this point, I got pretty upset. Like, what are you doing? Then he gets upset because he doesn't think I need an antibody test. He doesn't think I need a PCR test. Then he said, what do you need that stuff for? You're feeling better. We kind of go back and forth. And I finally told him, I said, well, why do you guys schedule appointments at 1245? Because he had told me that everyone on staff goes to break their lunch break at 1, which is totally fine. I get that. But then don't, don't schedule appointments at 12.45 and leave patients waiting there. If I hadn't walked out of that room and gone to check, that guy could have finished his sandwich, and I'd have been there for like 45, hour, hour and a half until everybody comes back from break. I was not happy, man. And that was the, the nail in the coffin. I, I'm done with this doctor's office. I walked out. I ended up having to go back to get the test done because, like I said, I had to uh, get the PCR the next day. 
Anyway, long story short, I post that story on my Facebook page, and I got a bunch of people calling me out saying that I don't understand the plight that doctors and nurses go through. I think people totally misunderstood what I was saying. If you want to read that back and forth, you can go to my Facebook page a couple of posts back. I think it was last week. I posted it on Wednesday or Thursday. It was an interesting response. Then again, it's social media, so I'm not really surprised by what happened there. But uh, anyway, I went to got the PCR test. I had to call back for the result because that doctor's office never called me. And this last Friday, they told me that I was positive for COVID. Now, come to find out that apparently you could test positive for COVID up to 14 days after initial infection. So for people that are out there that might have this thing and that might have COVID, if you go get a PCR test five days later, which is recommended five to 10 days after your initial infection, after you start experiencing symptoms, they tell you to go get tested again. Well, you could get another positive test. Therefore, you have to stay at home, quarantine. Now the CDC has come out and said now you only have to be at home for five days. You don't have to quarantine for 10. Then you can come back out and do different things. Look, it is a complete mess out there. My recommendation, everybody, is use your best judgment, okay? Apparently, after the initial five days, which is what the CDC is saying now, after the initial five days, you are no longer contagious, right? So my symptoms showed up three or four days before the new year, and I tested positive about 10 days later. So it was still in my system. It's probably still in my system, but... According to the scientists who get paid a lot more money than me to figure this stuff out, some of them still have no clue what they're talking about. They're saying that it's only after five days that you can uh, be contagious. Anyway, do it with what you will. I'm now quarantining for the next couple of days, next 10 days, according to my work. So, that's the story. That's my background. You're probably not going to see me much on TV over the next week because I will be at home. I'm going to be on Sports Extra um, from my house doing some Zoom calls, and I'm going to be doing this podcast, hopefully a couple more episodes this week. But that's the situation, man. I've got COVID. I fought it off. I got the vaccine. The vaccine in that sense worked because it wasn't as serious as uh, some other people are experiencing that again the cdc coming out today saying that most of the people that have either died or have gotten severely ill with covid over the last two years 75 percent of them have had four or more comorbidities uh at the time they got infected so what does that tell you about this virus it's crazy i it's why i know people are taking tests people are trying to find tests it's very frustrating. I know a lot of people are really frustrated by what's going on. And um, it just, it. I think the biggest problem is we have never from the start of this thing, and this is not a political statement. I think this is just an overall observation from my po point of view, is that we've never gotten a clear message from anybody telling us exactly what to do. Some days they tell us to wear masks. Some days they tell us to wear two. Sometimes they tell us to get the vaccine. Sometimes they tell us to get a booster. The Pfizer CEO comes out today, Monday, January 10th, saying that 
a new booster shot that will fight Omicron specifically is going to be out in March. So that could be a fourth shot. Like, when will it end? Like, it's never going to end. It's frustrating that we've gotten so many different stories, different takes on this whole pandemic and this virus. I think a lot of people are frustrated at home. I think um, a lot of people are fed up. People, you go to the store, nobody's wearing really masks anymore. Everybody's going to pick up this Omicron variant, which, if you've been vaccinated, doesn't seem to be that bad. It seems to be a little bit of a cold. Look, my son, I believe, had it. So he's gotten that natural immunity now, which is great because we weren't going to vaccinate him anyway. He turns five coming up next month. We're not going to get him vaccinated because the risk to children is very, very low. And frankly, the studies that have been done for the vaccine in children, especially his age, I still think he's a little too young for something like that. That's the decision my wife and I have made. And I really just that's my recommendation. To everybody, people have asked me online on Facebook when I ask my my question, ask me anything. They ask, what, what is your take on COVID? My, my, my recommendation is you do what's best for your family and whatever you think is best for you as an individual. Look at the data. Determine what you will from what the uh, leadership and powers that be and scientists and studies that have been done. Everything that is all wrapped up into this COVID pandemic. Read it all. Be very well versed in it and come up to, with your own conclusions because I think that's, at the end of the day, what's going to be best. And hopefully this Omicron variant is nature's vaccine. I thought that was such a smart comment from, from somebody. I can't remember who I heard that from uh, recently on a podcast that I listened to. It's nature's vaccine. Everybody get it. Everybody develop some sort of natural immunity so we can get past this thing. And hopefully in the next couple of months, we will be done with it. But yes, that is my story with COVID. And uh, hopefully I will be back in the fold back on the air full-time starting next week. Having said all of that, all of the COVID stuff is done. We have some sports to talk about, don't we? Well, here we go. Let's start with the Texans. The season is over, mercifully, finally. Although it got a little bit better towards the end, Texans finished with a 4-13 and record. Still kind of weird for me to say that, 4-13. and I'm still I'm so used to the 16-game schedule. Uh, anyway, Texans have the third overall pick. That is official. They will be picking third in the upcoming draft. Um, I posed the question online, what you guys think should happen with that draft pick. You could go either way. I mean, they don't need a quarterback. I don't think they really need an offensive skill player at the time. I think you just need to keep building this foundation. Hopefully, they get a couple of more draft picks uh, when they trade Deshaun Watson. Hopefully that will uh, that will uh, help them in any way. Some people are saying trade down from number three and collect more picks since you have to fix so many issues on the team. I can buy into that too because there's no real standout prospect this time around. So anyway, they pick third. I think they should either go defense. I've, I've seen a couple of corners projected to them so far already. Um, defensive line would be huge. Um, th those pieces that, that you need to win – and to have a solid franchise moving forward. I think that that is what you need to do in this draft. And give the reins of the offense to Davis Mills. Davis Mills showed a little something towards the end of the season. Now, I'm not saying he's the second coming or anything like that, but he did progress. He did show improvement, and he touched on that today when he was asked what this first season was like from start to finish. 
Um, I think the biggest thing is probably just that I know I'm able to compete at a really high level in the NFL. Um, I think it, take, it took a couple games at the start of the season for me to really get a good grasp of, of the game at this level. But um, I think really ever since I came back into the starting role at the second half of the season, the game started to slow down a little bit for me. Um, with the better I knew the offense and I just felt more confident out there playing with all my teammates. And I mean, I think some of the, the wins later in the season showed that. And also I think we kind of found started to find our identity as an offense. Um, and we're out there really just having a great time on the field competing together. So that was Davis Mills in his after the season press conference. Uh, I think he should get the start. In 2022, they can have a veteran that could be a backup. But I think this is Davis's job. The other players are very complimentary of him uh, in their availabilities on Monday. They uh, they like what they saw. They like the maturity throughout the season. And honestly, you need to see what you have. You need to see what you have in Davis Mills moving forward because that way you could determine whether or not you're going to pick a quarterback in 2023 because that quarterback crop is a lot better than this year's group coming out of college. So I would suggest that the Texans see what you've got in Mills and then move forward with, uh, with that plan. If you bottom out, they're not going to win many games next year either. This is a full rebuild that we're talking about. So if you're expecting another four-win campaign, five wins next year, even though you see a little bit of progress and you only still get five wins, then you could go get your quarterback and have Davis Mills be the backup. And I think that would be totally fine uh, on that front. As far as the coach goes, David Culley, at the time of this recording, he's still the coach. And um, and I think that's probably the right move because there really is no reason to change a head coach right now for this franchise because you're not in a position to take that next step. You're still in that rebuilding phase. You're still building this team from the ground up. Nick Casario, I think, knows that. And I think a lot of people have faith that he's going to get the job done. Look, this year's rookie class was actually pretty productive. If you look at some of the stats with Nico Collins, Garrett Waddle, Brevin Jordan, uh, Davis Mills, Roy Lopez, those guys played some pretty big roles. Granted, they didn't really have much else, so they had to play, but they played decently in the time that they got. So I, I think Nick Casario did a nice job with his draft. Not having a first or second round pick, he's still it's still pretty solid, I think. So um, I think you keep David Cully. David Cully was asked a whole bunch of questions about whether or not he's going to be here next year. Look, after this recording, they still may fire him. They still may go a different direction. But I think they should keep him. And David Cully talked about this first season under his watch, where he says he learned a lot. And I knew there were going to be challenges uh, when I when I first came here. And, and again, I, I've told people this and not in a negative way, you know, if, if everything was all right before I got here, I wouldn't be here. So the point was, I knew going in, there were going to be things that I'd have to deal with. I used to always make suggestions and I had to make decisions right now, you know, this time. And when I made those decisions, that decisions affected a whole bunch of people, affected an entire football team. And I learned that before I made those decisions or whatever they might have been, that I had to see the big picture. It wasn't about a particular guy or it wasn't about a particular coach. It was about the football team. And that's the big thing as far as me making decisions is being able to understand that every decision you make affects what happens with this football team. I did not like the losses. Nobody likes the losses, but I love this job. 
And, and, and again, like I said, I don't consider this work. You know, I know sometimes whenever you don't win enough ball games, people say, and I, I have people talking about like they're feeling sorry for me. I feel sorry for me. Do you know what I do? I'm the head coach of the Houston Texans, you know, regardless of what the record is. And that's a beautiful thing. So that was David Cully. It's hard not to like the guy personally. You could have issues with what he did coaching wise. And Seth Payne brought up some good points during our sports extra after the season recap that we had uh, on Sunday night. He said, look, this Cully's not the guy to take this team to where they want to be. Now, who knows? He may get better. He may learn from some of the mistakes that he made this year, but I still don't think he's the guy to take him there. Um, but the other thing as to why you want to keep Cully around, it's because really what other coach would want to take this job in the current state the franchise is in? Like you have Cully now. He's excited to be here. He's got familiarity with what the franchise wants to do. You bring in a new guy after a one-year head coach, you have to start all over again with a new system, a new program. You've got Davis Mills, who has already worked with Cully. I do think they need to change offensive coordinators. Tim Kelly needs to go. I thought many times this year uh, the offense was really stagnant. The play calling was brutal. Um, and you know, David Cully actually admitted to that in his uh, – after the season availability, he, he he realized that there were times they needed to speed up the offense a little bit more. I don't think Tim Kelly's the guy for this team. I think they should get rid of him, bring somebody else, maybe elevate Pep Hamilton. He's drawn interest from certain teams in the NFL to be their head coach. Get rid of Tim Kelly. You have Pep Hamilton be an offensive coordinator. I think that would be a natural progression for his career as well. So I think that's the change that needs to be made. Defensively, I think they're fine. Lovey Smith was good was good. He did a nice job. They were top 10 in the league in takeaways, which is a vast improvement from where they were the season before. So look, yeah, they're not good. The franchise is moving forward. I think keeping Cully and Mills for now is the right call. Then after next year, when you do get a new quarterback, if Davis Mills doesn't pan out, then you could get rid of Cully, bring in the new coach with a new quarterback and have them team up and move forward to see where you're at as a franchise. But as of right now, it's status quo. We'll see what they do in the draft. Next topic, big story last week, MVP voting. And Aaron Rodgers uh, was a uh, main topic of conversation related to MVP voting. And all of this stemmed from comments that a guy whose name I believe is Hub Arkash. Arkash, he works in Chicago. Um, he's been there a long time. He came out and said he was not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers no matter what. In fact, he had decided a long time ago he wasn't going to vote for Aaron Rodgers. He had made up his mind before the season started that he was not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he said he put his team in a bad spot because of all the offseason things that were going on with Aaron Rodgers away from the field. And then, which I... I, I, I believe Aaron Rodgers when he said this, the the biggest reason why Hub Arkash is not going to vote for uh, Aaron Rodgers is because he's unvaccinated. Let's be clear. Yeah, he may have had predetermined notions before the season started, but then when it came out that Aaron Rodgers is not vaccinated, I think that's when this guy took exception to uh, Aaron Rodgers specifically. Aaron Rodgers did say that. He came out and called the reporter a bum. Back and forth going on there. Look, the bottom line with MVP voting and all of this kind of confirms my points over the years. If you listen to this podcast, I've touched on it a couple of times. Media people do not need to be voting for postseason awards. 
I think postseason awards and I think awards in general are nice, but they're not the end-all, be-all of things. And, it, it, you know, it's true also in uh, in media, in, you know, media awards and Hollywood and all that. For example, I've been nominated 32 times for the Emmy. <laughs> 32 times. I've won a couple of them, but 32 times. And after a while, you know, I have to psych my, I, I have to tell myself that th- it's not really that important. Because the people that are voting for this, what qualifications do they have? And it, it same the same goes for professional sports. Like a lot of these postseason awards are voted on by media. Look, I'm part of the media. I think it would be cool to have a vote, but I don't think I should have a vote. Okay? I don't think I'm qualified enough to vote for the MVP of the NFL. I never played football. I think I understand the game. I've watched it a long time, but I've never played the game, okay? I've covered it now for a long time, but there's a certain level, there's there's a difference, right? When you play the game, when you're in the trenches, uh, figuratively and literally, um, that there's a, just a different understanding of what's going on, and I, I just don't think media members... Media members need to have their voice heard in a way to vote for postseason awards. I would take the votes from my peers if I were a professional sports athlete, right? If if people in the league, if you polled all the players in the league and let them vote for the MVP, yes, yeah, sure, sure, there are going to be some biases that go along with that, right? Because inherently everybody has a bias, right? As much as people want to not say that they're biased by anything or in any way. Everybody has a bias. Inherently, they have a bias. We all think certain things. We have beliefs. We think politically one way or the other. Everybody has a bias, right? And obviously, this Hub Arkish guy, he's got a bias, and he's letting it known. And I guess to his credit, in a way, he's being public with it. Now that he's been public with it, I I think his MVP vote should be taken away permanently. But... um, I just don't think if people are going to have biases, I don't think people that have never played the sport at the level of what they're voting on should be the ones voting for those awards. If you're going to have a bias, I'd rather trust the people that are within the league, league circles, former MVPs. Same goes for Hall of Fame. We see a bunch of these clowns that are voting for the Baseball Hall of Fame that are sending in empty ballots. Are you kidding me? And why is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? Because people have a bias against Barry Bonds because of his personality and the way he, you know, acted after after games and the way he treated the media and all that. He's a Hall of Famer on the field, no question about it. Kurt Schilling, you could argue, is a Hall of Famer on the field. Why haven't they gotten in? Because of biases from the people that are voting. That's that's clear. That's exactly what's happening. And so Aaron Rodgers is not going to get a vote from this Hub Arkish guy because he's got a bias against things that Aaron Rodgers either stands for or has done that are not related to football on the field. If you look at his body of work on the field, he is easily one of the top three MVP vote getters this year. I would throw Tom Brady in there, Jonathan Taylor. I know his team didn't get to the uh, playoffs, but I think he could be in consideration. But Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, I know his name has been thrown around too. But those two guys, definitely MVP candidate worthy for their performance on the field. This other guy, this Hub Arkish dude, he's saying that he doesn't 
believe he should be MVP for decisions that he's made away from the field because he claims that they've affected the team on it. Whatever, that's his stance, but he's got a bias. And I would take the bias of people that have been in the situations of players that are up for these awards rather than the biases of people, or biases, whichever way you say it, of people that have never played that sport, have never experienced that level of competition themselves. So that was my little soapbox on MVP voting. Hope you guys uh, <laughs> hope you guys uh, uh, agree. If you don't agree, let me know on Facebook, let me know on Twitter or whatever, and I'd be happy to uh, chat with you on that. And finally, you know, I don't want to end it on a sad note, but I, you know, I saw that Bob Saget had passed away unexpectedly this weekend. It was such sad news, man. It just kind of confirms to everybody that you never know when your time is is coming. Uh, we don't know what he died of or how he died. And no autopsy results are inconclusive. No foul play. Nothing was found in his system. He was just found in his hotel room. Uh, so thoughts and prayers, obviously, and you know, to everybody who knew him. I, I just really enjoyed watching Bob Saget growing up. Obviously, Full House. Then his joke on the aristocrats was just next level. Great stand-up comedian. From all accounts, a great guy. And it's just, uh, it's just, you just hate to hear that. And it kind of brought to mind, um, you know, celebrity deaths in a way. Because celebrity deaths are, some people may say, okay, well, they're just celebrities. But, you know, we grow up around pop culture. We're a part of it, especially when we're younger. You look up to some of these people. And the one celebrity death that always kind of impacted me and affected me was that of Chris Farley. Um, growing up watching him on Saturday Night Live, I thought he was a genius. His movies, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, uh, I thought he was just a genius. And when I, I still vividly remember exactly where I was. I was on my couch at home. The, the crawl came across the bottom of the screen on, on MTV when MTV was still watchable back in the day. Uh, now it's a completely pile of garbage. But uh, the crawl came down on... Uh, on on the bottom of the screen it said that Chris Farley was uh, found dead and I just I couldn't believe it it affected me I was upset the rest of that day and to this day I just I, I just wish I wish things had worked out differently for Chris Farley because I thought he was a comedic genius everybody loved him and uh, his work today is still a force of nature and um, It'll be interesting to see what you guys think. You guys let me know. Celebrity death, maybe on my social media pages. Let me know which one really impacted you. Michael Jackson was another one that I vividly remember hearing about, too, when he passed away. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's part of life, man. And that's just, you know, when you hear these things, you hear these stories and uh, these things that pop up of people dying unexpectedly kind of just puts things into perspective, right? I mean, I just kind of went on a rant about MVP voting. In the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter what awards you win. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's, it all, it's all about taking advantage of the moments in life that are right in front of you. And when you hear deaths of the kind that Bob Saget, it just kind of put things into perspective, man. You kind of take a step back and you kind of, you kind of, you kind of think about the people that are in front of you, the people that are a part of your life, those are the things that are most important. And so that brings me back to my original points. When it talks about all the, the insanity that we're going through with the uncertainties of COVID and what to do, what to handle, how to, you, you, you handle each situation the best of your ability, how you think is best for your family and your group, because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters in life. Your group, 
and uh, and the people around you living life up to the fullest, being happy, making other people happy, just living life knowing that you've accomplished something and that you've left an impact of some sort. And uh, that's that's the biggest takeaway every time I hear about one of these unexpected deaths that pop up. All right, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like I said, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, no need to worry about me. I'm feeling better. I hope to be on the air again starting next Monday, but you'll see my stories kind of pop up throughout the week. I just might not be on TV. I'm working from home, uh, kind of quarantining a little bit, being here uh, inside the house. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I will be back with another episode later this week. That interview with Sean Merriman is coming up. It was a good one. I will post that here shortly uh, in the next few days. But until then, I will see you later.